Welcome back to the Meeting Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Frampton, the co-founder and CEO over at SalesQ. We have a very special guest with us today, Katie Ivey, who is now the VP of Enterprise Sales over Pendo. I know at my time at HyperComply as the head of sales, we were very happy Pendo customers. So if you haven't checked them out, make sure you do. But also formerly, she was the director of sales at Marketo, our VP of sales over at Demandbase. The resume is pretty incredible. So I'm excited to dig in on the not so glamorous parts, Katie. Thanks. Thanks for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Really looking forward to it. I'm sure you're a little bit familiar with the podcast because you joined us here today. Really curious to dive into the harder parts of your journey. If people look at your LinkedIn profile, I think it's what everybody wants to emulate in their career, especially folks that want to go in the more like enterprise track specifically. Curious, what are some moments that you feel people don't necessarily realize about your journey? I love the, first of all, just love the premise of the question. And I agree 100%. It's easy obviously, to look a very specific way on paper or in a lovely intro that you just gave me. But there is so much more to each of us. That's a lot of complexity and challenges and highs and lows and lots of things in between. As I was thinking through how I would answer this question, I think there's two things about me that I feel like are a little bit unique or different in my career journey that have certainly been very foundational to any and all success that I've had. The first, I think, was the decision that I made right out of high school to take a bunch of time off before I started college. It was meant to be a gap year. It turned into about a, a gap five years, we'll call it. Um, but I went and worked for a nonprofit and I wanted to do a little bit of traveling and just get outside of my very small town Tennessee upbringing before I started school, which was a very surprising decision to my parents and family and a lot of others. But I ended up working for or volunteering for a nonprofit and just got so much incredible exposure. I was asked to lead a lot of things at 18, 19, 20 make decisions that were hard and uncomfortable. I feel like I was very much stretched outside my comfort zone for pretty much the entirety of those five years, learned to do fundraising, ask for money, which ended up being a great foundation to being in sales. So there was a lot of just like fundamental life skills that I think I was lacking at 17, 18 that would have been very different for me if I had gone the traditional straight to school, straight into your first job career that I'm really grateful for. So that's probably, I don't know if that fits the mold of like unglamorous or adversity. My parents thought it was very unglamorous at the time and were terrified I was going to never go to school. But I'm really grateful for that experience. Uh, probably the other thing, you may notice it on my LinkedIn, but my second job out of school, I took what to me felt like very much a step backwards. I had a great run at a company called Meltwater right out of college entry-level sales, moved into management quickly, moved into a managing director role pretty quickly. It was a great five-year run. Just incredible teams that I got to lead, full profit and loss responsibilities, really young person. So I felt really good about, oh, I've got this amazing trajectory. I'm crushing it. I'm doing really well. But I realized I was lacking a lot of very fundamental aspects of, we'll call it grown-up sales. There wasn't a lot of sales methodology. And I had just figured a lot of things out. And I started to realize if I wanted a long or successful career in sales leadership, there were some fundamental things that I needed to learn. So I took an individual contributor role as an AE at Pardot, which then morphed into an AE role at Salesforce. And again, at the time, I really wrestled with because I loved leading teams. I love management. And so it was a hard decision to be like, okay, I'm going to go carry a bag and be an AE. And I'm so grateful for that decision because it literally created the foundation for everything I've done in sales leadership since then. That's incredible. I feel like there's a lot of 
similarities with other folks that we've had on the podcast when it comes to what you first said about getting into sales. Nobody gets into their career that's, I'm going to go become a VP of sales. Most people don't even know what that is when they're in university. That's not on your like, not. On like your career chart. So I think that is really interesting. And then the second part about taking a step back, I think every single person we've had on the podcast has had that moment in their career where it's like they're doing something and then they almost like recalibrate and that propels them into now what their success is. Where do you think it sparks for you to actually recalibrate and take that step back? What made you have the, the confidence that was the right move? To be honest, I don't know if I had confidence at the time that it was the right move. I think it probably for, I would think it's similar for a lot of your other guests, but someone that's maybe would consider themselves an overachiever or is constantly stretching and striving and taking on new things. I think it's easy to get into a spot where you realize, oh, I've taken on two or three or four new things and I'm learning and maybe I'm loving all of it, or maybe I'm failing through parts of it. But there is this moment of realizing like there's some gaps or some things I need to shore up. Or for me specifically, I felt like a natural leading teams. I loved building culture. I loved creating a sense of morale and buy-in and helping people work together. I was good at that, but it took me a long time to feel like I was really good at sales. Like I didn't have that background. I didn't have a ton of business background prior to my first job. And so as I rose through the ranks and was coaching salespeople, I think I just started to see some cracks in my own abilities and aptitudes. And I think that emerges in different ways. But for me, it was clear, like, I, I need a tighter sales process and methodology. And if you think of Salesforce as just some of the best in the world at this, but like the Sandler training and learning how to understand the pain funnel and ask great discovery questions and run a real process from start to finish. That may change as you're selling to an SMB or a mid-market or an enterprise or a customer versus a prospect, but there's some fundamental aspects that are really similar across all of that. And I think for me, I just realized that I needed to learn a bit more in that area before I felt like I could go ask to lead bigger teams or more teams or carry a bigger number. So I think that's probably the thing that you see running through a lot of your guests is they've taken on more things and done more and then realize, oh, there's an area or something that I feel like I need to double click in and get really good at before I'll be ready for what's next. Yeah. Don't be afraid to take a step back for your learning specifically, because that's going to increase your ceiling. Yeah. If you feel like there's a ceiling, it's probably because you haven't taken the right steps and mm -hmm. what, why it's also important not to skip steps in your career, even though sometimes it seems glamorous when you're a BDR getting offered a head of sales role, probably not the right move yet will be one day, but take those right steps and they will really help you in the future. That makes a ton of sense. Totally. Maybe back to how you got into sales, like in the first place, like what brought you into that first role out of college? Like for me, I got fired from all my, like, con like my advertising clients that I started like a little startup in the day, but it was like out of necessity where I was like, oh, like I might as well go get a tech sales job. Keep curious, like what kind of brought you into this world? I was even less intentional than that. I had finally moved back to the States, was living in Atlanta, went to college, got a degree, but I studied international affairs and international politics and very much thought I was going to end up back in a nonprofit or back overseas. Uh, I had a business minor, but really like political science was what I was studying. And I was debating whether it was potentially law school or going the nonprofit or an NGO route. And I had just a little bit of debt that I needed to pay off from school. 
And so I knew I had to get a job. I honestly wanted something with the word international in the title. Like that is as glamorous or as like intentional as I was. And Meltwater was hiring for a role that they called an international management trainee. I thought that sounds fantastic. International. It's going to be in management or training me to be in management. Fantastic. It was an entry-level sales job for an international company that did have roles overseas. And there was certainly some potential to morph into other countries and things along the way. But that's literally how I ended up in the room, this big group interview, like duking it out for like mock calls and cold calls and being asked to give stronger value props to my pitches when I had no idea what a value prop even was. Like that's how I ended up in the room interviewing for my first sales job, which I have no idea how to this day how I landed the role. That's hilarious. I actually, I took international development with the minor in business. There you go. See? We a similar clock. So that's hilarious. One other thing that we like to ask all the sales leaders that come on the podcast is what they think all sellers should be doing during their calls to help them be more successful at closing deals, increasing ACV, whatever it may be. I'm curious, as you're leading the team on the enterprise side, specifically at Pendo right now, what are some things that you're seeing the top sellers do at your organization or just for even the demos you're taking and on the other side as the buyer? I don't know if this counts as, or you consider this necessarily a tactic or a tangible thing. The best sellers that I have ever worked with or been sold to by are incredibly intellectually curious. Like they're curious about business and the business of the person that they're selling to. And then they typically are genuinely really curious about the human as well. So if you can like, and some people just naturally have a bit more of that than others. Some people are a bit aloof and just have bit of a harder time connecting the dots or like genuinely being interested. But that was honestly one of the first things that ever clicked for me very early in my career. When I was struggling, I was not naturally this phenomenal seller out of the gate, but I started to realize like, I genuinely am very curious about how this company makes money, what this person does in their individual role, the stuff that they're responsible for, where are they stuck? Where could my technology potentially help them? Like, I felt like I was learning from the individuals that I was selling from because I was genuinely curious about what they did professionally and then typically found ways to connect with them on a personal level too, to be curious about them as individuals, what makes them tick, what they care about. That becomes even more important as you get into bigger deals, more complex deals. An enterprise deal at Pendo, we might be working with 15, 20, 25 different decision makers that all have different areas of focus, things that matter to them may not be the same as my economic buyer that's going to sign the contract, but all of those stakeholders really matter. So I think that's probably the easiest common thread that you'll see at just about any type of business, any type of sale, like reps that are really good. They typically are just incredibly intellectually curious about the business and the person that they're selling to. Yeah, if you focus on the business rather than your product, you wind yeah. up selling product. Right? 100%. That's the key thing. How would you develop, like for the folks that are maybe just starting their career, or maybe they're in like an SMB sales role, mid-market sales role, and are wanting to take the next step to enterprise and develop more of the acumen. I know it's a natural thing that folks will have versus don't have, but are there ways that folks can develop that at all? Anything, any ideas for maybe the people that are trying to take that next step in their career? Yeah, 100% it can be developed. And I think it has to be developed. Even if you feel like you are innately, naturally super curious, 
And let's be honest, some of us just are naturally really intelligent. Some of us, it takes longer to learn things. Like I have a really bad short-term memory. So there's certain things that I have a hard time memorizing. Doesn't mean I'm not intelligent or really great at other things, but I have to work harder to remember details and facts and little things. The biggest piece of advice that I give, especially folks that are earlier in their career that are trying to build that sense of business acumen, because I'm a firm believer, like people will not, or they will be much less likely to buy from you if they don't think you at least fundamentally know mostly what you're talking about. Like you've got to have a sense of, hey, I can hold my own and have a real business conversation with you. Doesn't mean I know as much as you do about your specific area, but it knows I at least know the right questions to ask. And then I know the right follow-up questions to ask. And I think the first thing that you do to start building that business acumen is just start learning about business, regardless of what you studied or you may have taken all the right business classes and had all the right textbooks. Like, but do you watch CNBC? Are you curious about the stock market? Do you know what various industries are doing? And you don't have to be like obsessive with the news, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on around us all the time. And I don't think that you can really have a sense of evolving business acumen unless you're interested in that stuff. If you'd rather watch reality TV and gossip nonstop versus you've got to figure out and maybe it's a different maybe it's podcast, maybe it's audible books, or maybe it's books like there's lots of different ways that you can learn that stuff. But I think you've got to be interested in business or at least in the industry that you're selling into and be pretty committed to learning about it. Yeah. One thing that I used to always recommend the new reps that would start at Bidyard when I was managing the SMB team there was listen to podcasts that head of marketing would listen to. Yeah, totally. We're selling to heads of marketing or product managers or w whatever you're selling to. Ask yourself, what content are they consuming for their professional development? Go do the exact same thing. Yeah. For then you're having a conversation as a peer rather than as a sales rep that's just trying to sell them something. So yeah, totally. I think that, that's great advice. And I think also being very hyper aware of what's changing and what you maybe need to be paying attention to now versus six months ago or a year. I've been at Pendo for two years. We sell primarily into product orgs and product leaders, which was a new space for me. So you better believe I bought a bunch of books and I was learning about product management and I was listening to podcasts and watching videos. And I continue to do that today. But over the last six to 12 months, like CFOs have become very integral into our sales process. Every company in the world is trying to spend less money, trying to tighten things down, making different decisions. CFOs are weighing in on decisions that they previously were not anywhere involved in. So I've got to understand what keeps them up at night. What's a CFO of a software company or a tech company or a high growth startup or a Fortune 500? What are they paying attention to right now? And I'm never going to be a CFO of Home Depot, but I can know enough about what's going on in some of the macro climate to at least be able to understand what he or she cares about most right now, because that's become important to our sales process now in a way that it wasn't really six or 12 months ago. Yeah, that's a really valid point. I think even just some of the board metrics that a SaaS company is looking at more than ever, the board is sitting with the CEO and CTO and really trying to figure out where to navigate the business. And if you can communicate at that level or at least understand the discussion that yeah. we're happening, you're going to be able to help your buyer who might not be able to communicate at that level because that's not their job, but it's your job to help them solve their problem. And a part of that is getting your solution approved. And anything that you add into the conversation that makes your buyer smarter, more intelligent, more prepped, 
able to be a better resource to his or her boss just makes you the hero out of the gate. So I love that, that double click for sure. Awesome. Katie, really appreciate you joining the podcast and thanks so much for taking the time. Hope to have you back eventually. And it's a quick word from the company power even the podcast now and talk to everybody. Thanks, Ryan. Watching call recordings on 2X speed is not only exhausting, but is also a waste of time for sales reps and leaders. With SalesCube, you can take concise notes with just a click of a button during your calls so you can stay focused on the conversation. These notes are visible in real time, ensuring that you have all the critical information you need while it matters. After the call, the notes are automatically added to your CRM providing your sales leader with all the information they need. Sales leaders no longer need to spend hours watching calls to identify if their coaching has been implemented. They can simply add feedback to SalesQ and their sales team will be reminded in real time to execute on it. Sales reps can also submit evidence of their implementation of the feedback with just a click of a button, giving sales leaders an accurate picture of how the team was adopting their coaching. Want to help a specific rep improve? You can view calls where feedback was missed within your favorite call recording platform. Experience a more efficient way of managing your sales team with SalesQ.